<laughs> Yo, this is the Beat People Podcast, uh, episode 48. And I got my folks on here. I got Ken, I got Traversi, and I got uh, the Daydream Sound. So uh, let's go around. Ken, how you feeling, man? Oh, no Ken. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> all good. <laughs> what up, TDS? <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? You all right? Yeah, I'm good, man. Good to have you on. Good, good, good. Oh, I'm getting a message that says uh, Hangouts on Air is going away on August 1st. Uh, so I guess they got some new streaming stuff. So I guess for future episodes, I'll have to figure that out. Anyway, yeah, it's good to have you on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I'm all sorted out, man. I think that was me on this end here, but we're good now. Cool, cool. cool. And then we got uh, Travarsi. How are you? Oh, good. I'm great. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I love your uh, silhouette and those lights. I always say it because it's, it's such a dope backdrop. Thank you. Never mind the mess of modular behind me. The mess of <laughs> modular is never a problem in anyone's bookstore. <laughs> I know. Ken, what's going on, man? Um, oh, how do I do this? There we go. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. I okay, what's going on, man? Uh, yeah, so um, I'm going to be in and out during the show uh, because I'm going to my nephew's first birthday party, which uh, Fox... It's his first birthday, and we're really excited because we weren't sure if he was even going to make it to that. So, and we're really oh. happy with the progress he's made. Uh, so, yeah, man, it's it's a good day. And well, birthday uh, wishes from the show, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be good. So, I've just been kind of, um, I've been working on a lot of uh, sound design stuff for for some secret projects that'll be coming out soon, uh, or at least be announced really soon. So, I'm super excited about that stuff. I can't wait to tell people what I've been working on for like the last year because it's it's really phenomenal stuff. Um, yes, indeed. So I'm, I'm just getting like, I've been, I've been kind of absent from social media and that sort of stuff just because I've been really grinding on, on getting the, the final product stuff ready and uh, trying to get that stuff done. But um, should, should I dive right into what we were talking about just before the show? Yeah, actually, uh, so yeah, tell the people what you've been what you've been using lately, and, and so uh, yeah. yeah, I've been just kind of um, so you had sent me the Strymon Big Sky, uh, yep. and I was I was kind of toying with that, and I've been I love guitar pedals, and I've been just kind of floating between a couple of different guitar pedals that I wanted to buy recently because I wanted a new reverb pedal primarily, uh, and. Mm -hmm. So the two that were really top of my list is the Big Sky, uh, which I've used a good bit before, um, but it's it's a little on the pricey side, and it's also mm -hmm. a little bit it's getting a little bit older now. You know, it's it's been yeah. out for a while. Um, the other one that I've had my eye on for a long time is the H9. Now I've mm -hmm. used Space before, but I've never actually had an H9, and I've watched a lot of different things on it, and I kind of dig what it does as far as. Um, you know, just being able to use all those different algorithms and that sort of thing. So I really wanted to kind of compare the two, and I've been comparing some other reverb stuff that I've been doing. Uh, and then not long ago, Eventide was like, hey, we're releasing the black hole and the multi-tap and the micro-pitch for iOS. And I was like... That's oh, dope. And self. So, to, be able to, to be able to have those effects on iOS, whereas before you'd have to buy hundred $300 unit minimum $300 unit even if used yeah so like my, my mind started spinning I was like well 
the H9, if I get the H9, it only has one knob, but then it, it's pretty easy to switch between which parameters it uses. But it also has the app to control it. So I was like, well, if I get the H9, chances are I'm going to end up using like an iPhone or an iPad mini or my iPad to control a lot of the parameters anyway. So I was like, yo, let me check this out. So I have the, the ES8 uh, for my modular, which is you know, right here, which is basically, it's an audio interface. Uh, my wife's hair is going crazy right now. And she's trying to mess with me. She got <laughs> awesome. Uh, so the, uh, the ES8 is basically a modular level audio input that's USB and it's class compliant, which means it'll work with your iOS devices, right? So you can send modular level inputs and outputs through this audio interface. It's right in my rack. So today I plugged it up to my phone um to see how it would work out hold on i gotta the cables i'm very interested in this because i have the es8 yeah so so right now it's it's hard to see with with this screen like this and of course it's reverse because google decided to take away the the proper apps for our hangout which is awesome but anyway so right there is the multi-tap and then below that is the black hole right and it's a, it's running on this is my iPhone what is it the XR and it's hitting uh like 49% CPU with both of those uh running right now so just to give you guys an example i'm running the Pittsburgh uh Pittsburgh modular double helix and just sending it through it and if i um let me just um do it like this for a second so this is the dry signal here and what's cool is when you use AUM, AUM will let you host it. So behind behind the screen here, you can see that's the fader here. Yep. Both right. both apps are right there, right up front. So if I if I close them, let's see if you can see this. Uh, so I can close that and close that. So there's there's my fader. So you can see my input here, and then my two effects are right there. So it's super easy to control. And then you can bring up the effects right inside of the app without having to like switch apps or anything like oh. that, which is really cool. And then of course, um, I'm just gonna switch through some presets real quick so you hear it. And are you using the iOS uh, camera connection? Like, look, can you look your phone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camera? So it's got just it. a US, just a USB camera connection there. Got it. Um, and it's got the charging cable on this one. Um, so uh, if I go like this. So you can just switch right through, and then uh, let's say I want to adjust, like the mix is obviously really heavy there, so like I can. It's really dope that I can basically get my um, my eventide effects. So I can get the eventide effects without even having to, you know, do anything with the H9, which is crazy to me. Uh, That's really dope. Because again, the the and H9. How much are those effects? Long time. Uh, no. Oh, the apps are only like twenty bucks. I think the apps cost the same price as the algorithms cost if you have an H9. So, so like if you had an H9 core, right? Which is I think it's like three hundred ninety nine bucks, and you were to buy the the black hole algorithm for it, that's like twenty bucks. And I think the app is about the same price, like nineteen bucks or something like that. That's dope. So if you yeah. and keep in mind, like I'm using the ES8 here. But if you have like an audio fuse, um, complete audio, whatever, like anything that's like a USB class compliant audio interface, any of these would work. 
So if you've got extra USB audio interfaces laying around, you can just toss them, you know, plug that into or, your connection. Or any, or any IK multimedia one. They got a couple of things out yeah. there to use. That, the iRig, there's, I mean, there's a ton of different USB interfaces and iOS interfaces that are really cheap. Dude, you could use that little, um, Behringer has like a, a USB cable and it's like, RC, it's got like two RCA ins and two RCA outs. Like that would even work, you know? Yeah. And you just uh, set up the channels like the regular send and return. Like yeah. Choosing so, an audio interface, like what channel you're sending it out, and then choose a channel which you're going to send. Yeah, like you can run those apps standalone, or in this case, I'm using it in the app called AUM. And AUM is really dope because um, AUM, you can set up multiple channels. Uh, so I could have like, for, for instance, the ES8 has four inputs. I could set all four inputs and different effects on it and be running multiple instances and all that kind of thing. Um, and yes, yeah, so AUM would handle what your routing is as far as, uh, all that good stuff. So, but iOS gives you the access to all of that stuff. Um, and then of course you also have the, you know, there's like AltaVerb and all that other stuff is on iOS also. So it just, to me, it was like, it was kind of a revelation. So my idea now, and I'm going to put myself on blast here cause I haven't bought it yet. And people are now going to bid against me, but whatever, dude, I'm just going to get a 16 gigabyte, uh, sixth generation iPod touch off of eBay and run it like that. And just have it be like dedicated for, you know, reverbs and stuff in my rack like that. Like, you know, like why not? Like you could, you can get those, those, um, those 16 gig iPod touches for like, like 75 bucks or so, and then just connect them up to cheap audio interfaces and boom, you've got like, you know, a really powerful kind of pedal rig set up just like that. A powerful and sought after, quite frankly. I mean, it's, it's something that people want to use. Yeah, man. So so that's that's what I've been kind of geeking on in the past couple of days. That and, and the, the, the Wave Razor module is really ridiculous. So I've been pairing the Wave Razor with the uh, the Erica Synth's, uh Black Stereo Delay. And I'm I'm kind of gearing up to do. I'm gonna do a video on the the black stereo delay, uh, real soon. And man, I'm just getting some really fun stuff out of it. The um, the tape mode on it just sounds really musical and fun. So that's kind of what I've been. Nice. I love their stuff, so I'm looking forward to that video for sure. The Erica the Erica synth stuff is built really nice and just mm -hmm. has a really nice aesthetic to it. It's not like overdone. You know what I mean? It's it's just like. It's kind of sleek, but it looks nice, but it's not like, hey, we're trying to, like, bombard you with all this ridiculousness on the panel or anything like that. So I kind of dig their stuff. Yeah. You all know what the wave rate? You all uh, heard of the wave racer? TDS and Traversy? Or you just speak of it? up a little bit. So <laughs> the wave racer? Does he still have the green color face on that? Yeah, yeah. he probably does. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard much. I haven't heard actually heard it, though. I haven't heard so I'd, I'd be interested. Let me see if I can. So Wave Razor is. It's by 1010, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's, they partnered with Mock. Is it Moke? Yeah. And yeah, Mock. Yeah. Which, which stands okay. for Media Overkill. Um, and right now, my wires are kind of overkill. Um, I'll try to adjust my mic a little bit. <clears throat> so my wires are kind of in the way. But uh, so let's say I do. Let me mute um, the. Double helix. I'm just using a uh, Fluxus one here. So, so if I do this, so that's going through the black uh, stereo delay, and I'll, I'll make it dry. 
But what's cool about this thing is you can actually um, change different algorithms on this thing. So let me... Uh, and it's all touchscreen on here. Plus you have two knobs to adjust. Yeah, so... I don't really have a patch set up to really show it off right now. But, uh, yeah, so the thing is, though, about it, it basically started as a, a VST, right? And now they've ported it into a, the, the guy who made the VST teamed up with 1010 Music to put it into their interface. You know, the, the, the interface is familiar. If you see it, you see that it's basically the 1010 familiar interface. And uh, you have the, this power of this very powerful VST now in a Eurorack module. I'll show it right here. Uh -huh. Now, question for you. Now, because I have, for example, the 1010, the Bitbox, and I noticed that the the layout, they tend to keep their modules the same, yeah, so you can swap the the firmwares in that. Are you, are you able to do that with this one, or is it just too, It's or is it much more complex, so you just cannot? Like what This is, is its own platform, so this is a new platform for it. Okay. So, it looks like a bit box and a synth box and all that it is actually a new platform so it's like you can't swap firmware with this and a, and a bit box or anything like that this okay. is its own thing so yeah so basically what it is though is let me scoot this thing back so i can sit down oh. all right so here i am wow i didn't even have to try that hard i already look beautiful that's beautiful <laughs> so <laughs> uh yeah so so essentially it's it's two oscillators in one but what's really crazy about it okay so what's really crazy about it is the oscillator waveform you can slice it up right so and then inside of each slice you can kind of bend and move the slices however you want so say you have a sine wave you could chop it up let's say you chop it up eight times you can have eight different fold points inside of that sine wave and then you could do different things with those fold points like they don't have to just be like regular folds they could you could sample rate reduce like one aspect of it or you could make another part like kind of fm'd you know you can uh, do all kinds of weird cross modulation. And then of course you can modulate everything. So you can have like 64 slices in it, right. Or drop it down to like two slices and then you could modulate the amount of slices. And there's wild. There's, 40, wild and deep. there's like 42 modulation points on it. Right. So like for like 42 concurrent modulation points at a time. Right. So you have 20, uh, like on the front panel, you've got 20 modulation points plus two audio rate modulation points on there. Then you have another 20 MIDI modulation points, right? That's okay. It's just like, it's literally like the company is media overkill and this, the oscillator is seriously mm -hmm. overkill. It's like you can just do so much crazy stuff with it. And you, you kind of like when I first looked at it, I was like, okay, well, it probably has all these envelopes built in. It probably has the VCAs, but no, it's it's an oscillator, and it's like it, all this power is dedicated to the oscillator. So you could just do some really crazy stuff with it. It's not like they they like watered it down by trying to do all this other stuff in it. You know what I mean? And I, I always like to mention too, um, this is an oscillator from one of the brains behind the famed. Um, what's the synth, King? Well, he, uh, so 
He the, worked on the project, right? Taiho Yamada, Taiho Yamada was um, involved in the Andromeda. Right. Yeah. Um, as well. He's he's actually done a lot of cool stuff. So he, he was involved in that. He was involved in the, the engine that came to be the Venom. Um, and really, I believe Aaron Higgins as well. So 1010 Music. <laughs> The guy yep. behind that, he was involved right. in the Andromeda. Yeah, well, yeah, Andromeda, right. yep, yep. So, like, it, it's cool that they're working together again in the, in that way, you know? You know? What's cool is that they're working together. That's one thing. But what's cool is that you have uh, so many people now doing Eurorack modules that have done, you know, sought after and famed, you know, now classic sense of all sorts. And it's cool that now there's there's this sort of different ecosystem that they can tap into and bring really cool things to market in smaller packages. It probably takes less R&D and, and all of that stuff. I think that's dope. I think so too. Yeah, and these guys teaming up together too to bring cool stuff to market is real dope. Yeah, if you mess with the software um, for WaveRazor, the software WaveRazor is really um, – it's a unique take on, on a VST. Like it doesn't look like other VSTs. It doesn't act like other VSTs. Like they have this whole like kind of contextual menu because there's so many extra parameters in it. Like if you look at the Andromeda, it's got like almost too many parameters that you can modulate inside of it. That's kind of how WaveRazor is. And so to battle that, what they did was they did contextual it's like contextual screens for everything. So if you go to the oscillator, you've got all these knobs dedicated to the oscillator. You go to the envelope, you've got all these knobs dedicated to the envelopes, that kind of thing. Um, so it's a really um, it's a really unique kind of thing. And uh, if you – here, stay on that screen right there, Corey. So, like, if you see that circular area, that's basically the screen that's on the Eurorack module. And you'll see how there's, like, lines around it. And those would be, like, kind of indicating, like, slice points and that sort of thing. Mm. So it just – it just gives you like really interesting uh, power over an oscillator that otherwise you wouldn't have. Really, yeah, like it's just it's a very different sound because mm -hmm. as you start modulating it and, and doing you know weird things like sending FM to the amount of razor slices and that sort of thing, it's just it's a complex oscillator that doesn't sound like other complex oscillators. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It just doesn't sound like like it certainly doesn't sound like a DPO and it doesn't sound like a uh, you know the the E three fifty two. It doesn't sound like any like it has its own sound for sure. Yeah. Well dope, man. I'm actually glad uh you mentioned that because that Wave Razor I haven't actually played with Wave Razor the VST, but to see it come to a ten ten box, I definitely want to check it out at some point. But I know you said it is mad deep, so that's one of those ones you got to give a little time to uh, to understand all of its routings and understand all of its features and really get the most out of it. Yeah, it's 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 a it's like I said, it's just very um, it kind of comes at things in a different way, and you know the um, and what what's it going for five ninety nine. Uh, I think yeah, I, mean, I, think I just brought yeah, it up on Sweetwater. Releases, I think it comes out in yeah, it was a week or two. I think it's supposed to start shipping. I don't know if it's it's fully started shipping yet, but I, I think it's supposed to ship like next week or something. So yeah, yeah it's it's coming yeah. soon. Um, so yo, let's jump into. I wanted to talk about what last week was. Last week or the week before last, they announced a new Critter and Guitari organelle. And I don't know if anybody yeah, yeah. here has an organelle, has played the original organelle, but I always wanted one, and I never got a chance to to really put my hands on one. So it's kind of cool.
that they did some upgrades. So let me pull up yeah. the page here. Uh, have you have either have anyone on the, on the show use Organo? Yeah. I used I them used when the they when they first came out. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, when it when they just released, I guess a couple of years ago, I was looking to buy one, but um, they're cool. It's it's expansive, like how they did it now. So you could add whatever you want in there, and you can program it. So it's pretty it's pretty deep. Yeah, and it's all open source. That's yeah. that's the really cool aspect of it is that you can run um, what is it, C sound on it. Um, you use pure data. Pure, pure data. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Gotcha. So I see um, uh, the new stuff that they added to it is, <clears throat> I guess it didn't have a built-in speaker or a built-in microphone. Well, now it does. Built-in speaker, built-in microphones, battery power. It wasn't before. Has MIDI jacks uh, where it wasn't before. It didn't have that stuff before. So some cool stuff. And I guess they added, obviously, some some other instrument stuff in there, too. So um, it's more of a portable kind of jam joint now. Yeah, I've always enjoyed the sound of it when I hear people playing it. It, it does have a kind of unique sound, almost toy-like in some instances. But I've seen people do some pretty cool stuff with them. Right. I, haven't, I mean, I've seen them around, but I haven't really had an opportunity to really like test it out i've seen it forget like the i think it was pink right the other one mm -hmm. the piano or something yeah yeah they got a few of them and and <laughs> you know um i've been honestly meaning to grab one of these for a long time but the organelle the original so i'll probably end up grabbing this one and especially since it's open source and there'll probably be a lot of other stuff out there that you could do with it I'm sure that they're probably going in the direction where they're going to build a library or some sort of repository uh, for for getting that stuff, getting new new algorithms and stuff for it. It's kind of dope. They made a cool. Sorry, I was saying that you'll have to bring it to the next jam if you do get it. Oh yeah, you know I will. Yeah. <laughs> you know I will. I mean, that's what's dope about it too. It's it, it's not a bad controller for like you know whatever you want to control. It's got MIDI on the back of it now, so you can use it as a controller. Like I could throw it into my mutant brain and and control my um my my your rack, my live your rack with it. Be dope. So yeah, yeah, that's dope. And it's uh what the is other that? cool thing is that that thing can be like. You know, it can be an effects pedal, like it can be just so so many different right. yeah. sampler, you know, all that cool mm -hmm. stuff, you know, in that thing. I love the fact that it has the speaker built in now. Like I love that. Yeah, built-in speakers. And I, I they upgraded the processor, it's got twice as much RAM. And you're right, you it can be just about anything because it is open source. So you can have dope delays, dope reverbs, and other instruments yeah. all together. Right. Good, to be honest with you like i feel like that price point is not crazy like considering everything yep. that this thing does and the fact that it's really built in small quantities like it's that price point's actually really dope yep agree 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 totally agree so yeah yeah so there's that um uh i wish i've had I've, i'd actually gotten one back in the day but this is a good opportunity since they've refreshed it but <clears throat> okay i want to i want to move to something that Honestly, I kind of saw this thing, um, some videos on it at Superbooth. Uh, is that screen still? Let me let me undo my screen. So I saw this other joint. 
uh, some videos of it at Super Booth. I didn't think much of it. It's kind of like, okay, yeah, uh, yeah, another one of those things hitting the market. But now that it's kind of come to market, I'm I'm interested to check it out. One, re- what it is, it's the ALM Busy Circuits Squid Sample. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, as that L in there that is like it shouldn't be there, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. or as Divkid calls it, the sullalalalample. And um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm interested in it because one thing I like about ALM Busy Circus is they seem to really be fans of classic, uh, uh, classic samplers. You know, they they modeled the S950 filter. Uh, it's called Mum Eight. It's basically the MUM-8 is a model of the Akai S950 filter. And yeah. so, you know, they have some affinity for the classic um, samplers, like somebody else that I know that has an affinity for the classic samplers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what, have you all checked that out, heard anything about the, the squid sample? Or what's your thoughts on it? I, think I thought it was you did, man. TDS is not going to even look at it because it's not – Five you, yeah. No, man. Well, that's true. But I, I thought the same thing you did when I saw it. I saw it at Super Booth, and I didn't pay attention to it. But what gets me about it is the layout. Like it's so, like there's a lot on the front panel. You don't got to dig too much. I like that one knob that you could just get through all your channels. The layout is what grabs me the most. Yeah, I would agree with right. that. I would agree. Yeah, the I, amount of menu diving you have to do, especially when playing live. Yeah. yeah, they have they have a kind of aesthetic to them that's that's kind of playful. So I, I kind of dig their their old layout and whatnot. Like I have a couple of their modules. Um, right now, what's in the rack? I have a Sig Guts that's in in my rack, and I like their stuff, man. It's it's just I don't know. It's something about it is kind of quirky, and and mm-hmm. I think that. But this thing, um, it comes at a time where like sampling in your rack is starting to kind of uh really come into its own like for a yeah. while sam- sampling in your iraq was really uh i felt like it was either people were trying to do something that they shouldn't do in your iraq you know with the samples like trying to be you know trying to basically be a hardware groove box type thing and and it wasn't really working at all or just like raw sample playback that kind of stuff these things look way more interesting to me um I, I have a feeling that this is going to end up in my rack. I really do. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. You know, so, and the other thing about it is that what, it's an eight channel sampler, right? I think that's what it is. Eight independent channels. Yeah. DC and, output. Um, CV with it too. So you can. Yeah, and it's sample CV. So <laughs> some of you all that, that listen to the show, and I know some of you all on the show here probably remember when I had gotten the assimilator. And so the assimilator is much bigger. It's also an eight-channel uh, sampler. And, you know, what's special about the assimilator is that, you know, you could put eight different samples on one channel and address them with CV. Uh, you'll need a gate delay of some sort to do that. But the sound of the assimilator is head and shoulders above a lot of modules out there. And then you have separate control over uh, sample rate and, you know, bit depth and that kind of stuff. So in the manual for it, you can actually dig in and find out, you know, if you know the sample rates of old classic samplers, you go into the manual of the assimilator, it'll tell you like, hey, setting yeah. bit depth and sample rate to this or that will get you a sound similar to this classic 
uh, sampler, that classic sampler. And but the thing is, that thing is almost nine hundred dollars, eight or nine hundred dollars. The the assimilator, and um, there were some things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do. But everything that it could do that I liked, the Squid Sample does. Now, obviously, Squid Sample doesn't do everything that the assimilator does because it doesn't do. Um, what is it that that it does? Ken, what's that the feature that it has? Um, is it FM sampling? Or is this FM? I can't remember what it is. So obviously, sample squid doesn't do everything that assimilator does, but everything that the squid does are the things that I like that the assimilator did for less HP and hundreds of dollars less. <laughs> yeah. right. With this thing here, it's like you could you could perform live with this and actually do things manually if you wanted to. Like I can yeah. see myself, I would patch live on the fly with this, and I wouldn't be afraid. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. Agreed. You could reduce stuff on the fly. You could reverse stuff right there and then. And I don't think you would mess anything up. Like it's just mm -hmm. everything's right there for you. And for the price, like the more samplers that come into your rack in general is going to be the better because you can build, you can you can have like three samplers just like you would have oscillators now. Yeah. And it's getting to that point where you can get different uh, samplers in your rack to fit whatever need you have. Right. It's true. It's true. And, you know, I know um, I know of some you're right performers that perform with mostly samplers in there because, yeah, you know, you could kind of take some pre-designated material. And, and if you get good enough with one or two of them or you have one that you're really proficient with, you're not afraid to patch live with and tweak, mm -hmm. you know, you can really do some really dope stuff that's specific to your style, your sound. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely dig it. <laughs> Me too. Mm -hmm. and, and so it has USB right on the front, too. Mm -hmm. And I imagine, let's see, what's the USB for? They got easy firmware updates from USB, and I'm sure you can probably load samples with it because it doesn't have a, uh, any no. other kind of card storage. So you probably yeah, read everything off of the off of that USB live. So whatever you put in there is what you get. But it's it's pretty deep, man. Yeah, that, that joint is really dope and um, seems to pair very well with Pamela's workout, Pamela's new workout. So that's yeah. cool. That's really dope. So, yeah, you could do full bank loading, uh, on the fly bank loading and saving to USB. And, right. and that's really dope because, I, you know, uh, Traversi knows that I, I go through these things now that I've this year started getting into performing live. I've always kind of been going through these things about, I like performing with my force and my Euro rack, but the force doesn't do disc streaming just yet. So I have to find ways in Euro rack to be able to keep the set going while if I need to, I can load a new project into the force. You know what I mean? And so right. then, you got to build in that time before you switch over. Yeah. Conversation. Yeah, exactly. This week, or <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Keep swapping stuff out over there. Like, okay, now I'm not swapping anything out of the uh, Euro rack. I'm just gonna start taking the four four or the black box. Or the <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to find that place. So the fact that they have the flexibility on this that you can uh, load and save on the fly is pretty dope and then it samples cd so that's the other thing about the way i make music for performance is that i'll have cd uh uh or on or, or midi whatever the case might be mm -hmm. on a, a a clip on the uh the force 
So then it'll be dope to be able to sample those out of or send those out of CD into something like the sample and be able to, to pull up that CD on the fly, do either modulation or either be able to patch that to an oscillator, do a new melody of, from some existing CD. Yeah. So that's pretty, you know what I mean? That is crazy. And I think that thing is what I can't let me let me look at Sweetwater, see what it is. Um, Something made me think three forty nine. I'm not. Sounds a little bit too low though. Yeah, I think it may be a little more. ALM and the damn L in the middle of nowhere always messes me up. So I don't know if I'm spelling it right or not. Uh, actually, I guess Sweetwater don't carry. I thought Sweetwater carried them. I don't even know if it's fully like available yet. From what I yes, it's, it's not it's not available yet, and I don't see a yeah. price point. But <clears throat> yeah, it may be pre-orders or something. But I thought it may be more like four ninety nine or something like that. I don't know for sure yet. That's yeah, still I think so. yeah, man. I think what's happening now is like like we're getting we're getting things that are not like the the end all and be all of samplers because I like. You know, what I mean, like the samplers that I saw before, they're like, aside from the morphogene, they're like samplers that solve everything. But this is just like a sampler that's, you know, what I mean, you could take it, you could add on to it, and that's better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I definitely dig where it's coming from. And I'll tell you, I was, I was a proponent before of like, yo, I don't want to do no sampling or anything in your yeah. life like that. Like, I definitely was about that sort of life, yeah. like get out of here with that. But then what I started realizing is it's its own thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. a thing that's special unto itself. And uh, that's what makes it dope. Uh, before, because uh, in my mind, and I think samplers, I'm thinking specific box, X, you know, SP12, MPC, yeah. you know, machines of the world and those kinds of things. And they have things that they do. But then when you start thinking about samplers and and Eurorack, it's a different approach and it's a, a different sort of thing when you can start throwing CD into the mix and stuff too, yeah, you know what I mean? CD changes everything. It sounds completely different. You can't do that mm -hmm. on a sampler. Like CD yeah. just sounds yeah. weird. <laughs> that's yeah. it, this was for real. Yeah. So that's what I, what I think I dig about that. I definitely could see at some point uh, checking that out. Let's see, somebody saying the morphogene. Have morphogenic thinking, more samples now. Yeah, I, I, he said the same thing. Yeah. Um, didn't want to be bothered with it, but now, and, and Trubarsi could probably attest to this as yeah. we talk about how my thing is changing every other week. Like, what right. sample haven't I had at this point? Right, right, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm, saying? I'm I, using the Octatrack right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. and the, the Octatrack is dope, but. Uh, and I know, I know, uh, TDS is probably you. You have the Octa track too, because I think I've seen yeah. you do some shows live with it, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much all I take out live. Dope, dope. Unless I, you know what I mean? It's it's that's dope. So um, I know Travarsi is using it in a sense where it's uh, a groove box, but it's more like a DJ mixer too for her. Right. I use like I run the modular through the Octa track so I can use some of the effects on there. And then um, what I do is I'll sample into it, onto a channel, and then use one of the scenes to fade over 
so I can change some patches or whatever and then fade back into like a new patch. So nice. keep it going. So I can keep my set going and, and cha while I'm changing. Nice. Yeah, nice. I can tell you uh, when I was when I was at your crib last and we did the mod map um, sessions and you were showing me about how you use the OctaTrack in your live set. That was really tempting because I feel like that kind of functionality is what I would love to have. But I'm trying to use, you know, because I, I feel like here's what I feel like about the OctaTrack. I feel like about the OctaTrack the way I felt about Eurorack before I got into Eurorack. Mm -hmm. Like, I just feel like, yo, that's a whole thing you got to get into or you got to, you know what I mean? You got, that's a whole, that's a rabbit hole in itself, that one box. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I've definitely like. been, you know, it's been a process with the Octatrek, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I've had it, I think I've had it for at least two years and now yeah. I'm finally going to start using it out, playing, yeah. you know, use it. now I'm actually using it in my live setup. But it took a lot of time, like trying different ways to use it and just like getting to know the box. And even now, even though I'm still, even though I am using it in my live setup, like I still feel like there's still so much more that mm -hmm. I could do with it that I haven't even really, I haven't scratched the surface with it basically. But yeah. for now, like it's powerful. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, no, I, for what I'm using for right now, it's pretty solid. It's, it's rock solid. This and um i do like the effects but i think what i'm going to try to do too is try using some additional effects with what ken was suggesting oh uh, yeah the usb yes yes because i have an es8 mm -hmm. and um and i use it mainly you know for recording into like ableton right in that but when i'm out like why not now use it for some additional effects you know? <coughs> yeah. I will tell you that um, it is a good time to be into incorporating iOS music making and iOS tools into your music making. Because, I mean, the amount of effects in itself, not even talking about the instruments that's in iOS, but the amount of effects and the kind of effects that are available for like $10 or less, at the most $20 or less, you know what I mean? It's just kind of crazy. And then yes. you have tools out there where you combine multiples of those or create your own special channel. You know what I mean? There's, <laughs> there's like tons of stuff out there. That would definitely uh, add another dimension of variation to your live set without a doubt. Yeah. Right. And just less stuff you have to carry around. You know, now that mm -hmm. I'm starting to travel more, I'm going to New York soon and doing a workshop there. And I'm just like, I don't want to be like lugging additional pet just to add additional effects, you know? Right, so, right. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. And so that's that's the thing for me. I, actually, TDS, I love what you said. Like, yep, I just take the Octatrack and <laughs> win, no win to say oh, win. That's it. Because right. <laughs> for me, it's a constant battle of yeah. like what to take, what not to take, and let's try this for this one, and let's try this for that one. Um, we okay. did the show at at the Troubadour, me and uh, uh, Voltage Controller, Shiro, we did the All show right. at Troubadour and we had our groove boxes plus our, our 6U Eurorack. But then we get there and obviously it was a, a, a show where it was a lot of opening acts and then it was us and we were right next to the the um, the, the, the billing act, you know what I mean? The mm -hmm. act of the night. So we were right up, butted up against his set. 
And obviously, you know, there's a lot of when you got four opening acts plus us than the the marquee act. There's a lot of setting up and breaking down, setting up and breaking down, and right. so we had our both our Eurorex, and I got the force, and he had uh, both the Digis, the Digitac, and the the Digitone. And so as we were gonna set up, we realized like they like you you all you get this table, he gets that table, and as the night went on, they were like uh uh-uh, scratch that, both of y'all on this table. <laughs> and I was <laughs> like yo. Uh, pop your trunk, man. I'm putting my Eurorack case in there. I'm not. <laughs> That's what happens. Like, yeah. Yeah. when I first started performing, I wanted to like just bring everything. I used to perform in quad and do all kind of crazy stuff. And then what happens when you get there is what you did mention, but mm-hmm. it's like, for me, all I want to do is connect with the crowd. Mm-hmm especially right. with the type of music that we do. The average yeah. person doesn't sit down listening to experimental electronic music. Right. So right. You, could either, you could either go in and go over their heads and have them be like, oh, that's too much for me. Mm-hmm. Or you could connect with them. And for me, if I have one thing in front of me, it's easier for me to make the music make more sense to them, rather than just like stroke my ego and do all this technical right, stuff right, right. and have them staring at me at the end. You know what I mean? So. The more simple you keep it on stages, the more you can do what you're there to do. For me, anyway. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you know what happened that night? We still killed. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? We killed. And it was like, okay, like the, there was just as many screams as I imagined it would be. And I didn't have all that stuff with me. And I, and I learned a lesson from that. But, you know, what that does is that makes me put more thought into my set. If I know how much time I have and what I'm doing, it's like, okay, put that much thought into the set and prepare for it so you can connect with the crowd. Right. And I feel like it tends like start bringing a lot of gear. Mm -hmm. You, you find yourself managing as opposed to playing and enjoying. Yeah. Yeah. Like what you're actually, and then it is hard to connect to the crowd because you're like over here doing this and doing that. And it's just, yeah. Less is more. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm learning that because uh, and you guys probably uh, know like for me, my performance history has always been as frontman MC, um, and now starting to perform again, I'm performing as you know, the the music maker, the person that brings that provides the beat, the beat maker, the, the live beat set, and all that stuff, mm-hmm. which is more like a DJ set. So it's a it's a different thing to perform that way. And honestly, I start to see now when I've always thought about people like Q-Tip or uh, Questlove who DJ as well. And they say, because I DJ, I have a better idea of what people dig and what they don't dig and what, you know what I mean? Because then you start to pay attention in a different way to the way the crowd moves and what, how you're connecting. So I, I think that's really dope. It's definitely informing in a different way how I do a lot of stuff, honestly. Yeah, yeah, you read the crowd. Like it, it, it starts, DJing and performing are similar in that way because you read the crowd, you literally know what they want next and know what they're ready for. Yeah. And if right. you get those two things under control, you got them. Yeah, yeah. But if you're all in your head and you're not paying attention to them, you're gonna do something and they'll literally look at you like, why did you do that? Yeah, right. Why'd you do that? <laughs> That's right. It's very true. It's very true. And yeah, you have to be able to, you know, read the crowd during and kind of understand who the crowd is before. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yes. that helps. Like for for instance, we did a show, um, Basically, the same weekend as the show I was just talking about, the night before there was a show. 
And that was a totally different crowd. It was an absolutely totally different crowd, without a doubt. It was a more technical, more uh, gear geeky, sort of nerd out sort of crowd. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I did a very similar set to what I did at the hip hop show, but then I had my Eurorack there, and they wanted to be able to see you kind of go between the two and you know get real spacey and ethereal and. You know what I mean? It was that kind of crowd. As a matter of fact, when it was over, somebody yelled out, that shit was beautiful. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, it helps to kind of be able to read the crowd, like, before and during, really. It really goes a long way, man. Yeah, without a doubt. So, yo, I want to get into, we were talking about effects, and this company has been doing a lot of really dope pedals over the last couple of years. And it seems like every time they drop something new, it gets better and it gets better and more interesting and more interesting. So the company is Chase Bliss. And the pedal that I want to talk about is called the Mood Pedal. Have you all heard of or checked that out at all? Yeah. Yeah? Well, what's your thoughts on that, man? I think that's insane. Like, I'm not into pedals. The first thing I thought... If you guys make something like that in 5U, that would be really interesting, or just Euro Rack in general. But I mean, I'd love to be a guitar player right now. Yeah, but, yeah, no. <laughs> but the fact that you can use it on your own stuff is just—it's really nice to see that type of thought process and the fact that the two channels. So I didn't get what they were talking about when they said it's two channels, but yeah. it literally is by two different people. It seems. Yeah. That yeah. Exactly. Tried. That they've yeah. combined it. They're really thinking almost in a modular way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I really like I, it. Yeah, I'd love to see that come to uh, Eurorack. And when I looked at the videos and I look at what they're doing. Um, uh, Can you pull it up? Yeah, hold on. Let me let me pull it up right now. As I, as a, so I was talking to Ali, the architect, who is one of the Modbat brethren. Uh, hold on. Let me see which, which window it's in. Here, here we go. And... I showed him the video for it. Here it is, mood pedal. Okay. Yeah, I showed him the video for it. And the video was dope. It gives you some really good uh, ideas of what it could do. I mean, it it basically is a sort of like a looper and sort of like a delay and then you modify it. It's more like a tape, a real tape machine almost. You know what I mean? So you could capture a loop blur the lines and, and apply clock and sort of modulate things and modify it a bit. And things can get just real beautiful real quick. And Ali made me realize, he was like, yo, that's sort of like Morphogene. So yeah. in reality, it is kind of like Morphogene and a delay right. pedal, in a delay pedal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's really, really dope. Um, I have uh, a couple of sort of I don't know. I think some of these pedals are getting trendy in the sense that, you know, there's this thing that's happening with the, with with uh, effects pedals that was happening in Eurorack, you know, where it's like right. this is the popular module for the day, or this is the toast of the town, and it right. just came out a month ago. Like mood is that thing right okay. now. You know what I mean? Everybody's talking about it. You got guitarists that are obviously 
loving it because they could do their looping and playing on top of it and, and smear the thing and do something different. But you got keyboarders that are going crazy with it. And I know that there's Eurorack dudes that are starting to use it too. So I kind of dig that those lines are starting to become blurred a bit. Um, and I have uh, Chase Bliss vinyl. Hold on. Let me pull this down. Warped Vinyl High Five. Okay. Yo, this pedal is dope because it does what it the title says it does, what the name says it does. Really? Like, you can apply this. It's kind of like it's basically a vibrato chorus pedal, analog vibrato uh, sort of chorus pedal. But you can apply these um, parameters just right and really start to make stuff sound like old vinyl and warped vinyl and that whole thing almost like old tape and stuff and it's a pretty incredible thing the things is tone lag mix uh rpms depth and warp and so that that gives you a little bit of the aesthetic that uh a company like chase bliss is working with and then i gotta say i love their packaging too oh very cool yeah <laughs> so i use this to hold like stuff that will get lost on your desk <laughs> SD cards and adapters and stuff, but um, yeah, yeah. If, if if anybody's out there in the mood for good pedals, mood pun intended is one of those things. I think it's real dope, and that's one of those pedals I probably would get just because I know that at some point in sound design, I'm gonna sit down with like you know tensor, warped vinyl, and mood, and do something totally crazy that I wouldn't do otherwise. Yeah. It kind of starts to inform the way you create, I think. Yeah, man. Yeah. I just, good. yeah, I'm. you're right. Like the whole pedal thing is getting, that's, I've never looked at pedals. And this mm -hmm. is like probably, I would say this year is the first time I've ever started even paying attention to them. So you're right on the trend. Yeah. Sure. And, and I mean, and, and they're getting very creative with how they, uh, promote them and in two. So for so many years, what have pedals, what have pedals been like? More delays, more reverbs, and a gang of distortion and fuzz, and you know what I'm saying? Just the typical effects that have been around forever. And maybe somebody might do something a little different, and maybe they may have a little tone, a little different tone. But I think what's dope about companies like Chase Bliss and Red Panda, specifically those two, oh, yes. is, right? This they're creating pedals. I feel like these dudes must have, must be into Eurorack because they, they're bringing a certain sort of design aesthetic and thought process to pedals that feels more Eurorack-esque yep. in, in the creative sense, right? Because this mood pedal is a two-channel granular micro-looper slash delay. Yeah, that sounds like somebody from Eurorack world. <laughs> That's what it made me think of. I'm like, why is this a pedal? That's the right. first. <laughs> yeah, it's dope. That's one of those, one of those things. And they have something new coming out too. It's called the Blooper, and uh, it's basically a looper tape machine kind of thing, but it's different from from Mood. Um, and 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 so when I think about the way they advertise them, um, they've allowed their audience to follow them through the creation, through the creative process of them building the blooper. So if you watch, uh, I think the guy's name, 
I actually I can't think of the guy's name. <laughs> I don't it's one of the dudes that does a lot of uh pedal reviews. And so he has a series on his channel um where he's kind of going through the development of the bluebird uh uh pedal from one to zero. So where the episode one may have certain features and episode two He'll talk about how that feature was scratched and this feature is added right. and they're yeah. kind of developing this pedal. And it's an interesting process to go through that entire process and end up three, four episodes in. And it's not quite the thing that it started to be. And then about the third episode, they totally redesigned the DSP to do the stuff that they wanted to do. And I I guarantee you when that pedal comes out, it's going to sell out immediately. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what's got to be done now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to, like that's the type of thing we want to see, mm-hmm. and it lets us know there's not that ex- much explaining you got to do when it comes out because you can go and see what was done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very, you know, smart marketing. Yeah, keeps engaged all through the whole process. Very smart marketing, and that, that also comes from too. That's the kind of stuff that musical acts have to do nowadays because this is this is the access this is the age of information right everybody has more access than we ever had to everything so yeah it's pretty dope but yeah um i'd be interested if anybody out in the chat if you all end up getting mood or using mood holler at us on another show let us know what y'all what y'all think about it uh let's see all right all right all right uh the craft synth so i have the craft synth over here and i got a few things over here that i gotta <laughs> catch up on video for mm-hmm. i want to apologize to anybody that's been like a loyal viewer or reader of of my youtube channel or my my blog uh b-boy tech report because this year my daughter graduated from high school and I have not had a moment to breathe. Like when you see me drop stuff on Instagram, that's mm-hmm. the moment when I'm able to do that. But dropping something on Instagram is very different than sitting down and doing an actual video review and then going back and doing the editing and maybe writing up something. Um, so I said all that to say this. I have a few things I need to catch up on. And Craftson is one of those. Let me Let me show it. Craft synth 2.0. So it's a it's a tabletop synth. It's like wave tables, right? Yeah, wave table tabletop synth. It's um, you know, it takes a couple AA batteries or three of them, I believe. And uh, it is by um, uh, Modal. And actually, I was very surprised at how good it sounds. However, you know, I got to say that the, the build quality, it's, it feels very toyish. And I mean, really? this is totally plastic, right? Mm-hmm. But so I don't want to disparage it. But the thing is, you know, for a long time, all of, especially if you've been making music for more than 10 years, you come to a thing where it's like build quality, this build quality, that, because things were made very different 10, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, versus the way they're made now today. This was a Kickstarter pro, uh, 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 thing as well. And, but I got to tell you, if you judge it on how it feels, 
I think it's well enough made for for it to be made of plastic. The yeah. knobs, yeah, okay, okay. Where it shines at is the sound. <laughs> it sounds yeah. damn good. And so you got to think about that. Let me just pull something out and just show you um, where I think this thing, where things start to go, where things can really shine. When you have the 1010 sort of black box or something small like that, and mm -hmm. then you have a synth, so you got a sampling workstation, and then you got this synth. Now, this is crafted like a champ. It's all metal. Everything, I mean, everything feels great on it. This is not as well crafted, but it's nice. And imagine just taking those, and this that fits in your hand, you could do straight up set, go jam, go to the park, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a, this is an incredible time to be a beat maker, a musician, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's really crazy. Like, think about this. Look at this. When could you do this before? Ooh, this is just crazy. And this thing sounds good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> you have it? Hmm? You have it as well? No, I, I listened to it and... um. Like if you listen to any of the demos, the first thing I notice is that it sounds like something that just will fit in the mix right away. It has yeah. this really kind of glassly, sick, slick kind of sound. Yep. Yep. And like with the analog sound, like with all analog synths, you gotta do some work because they take up so much space. This kind of just slides on top of anything. Oh, you nice. can just hear it. But it yeah, it it really does sound good. And it's wavetable, so you get a lot of textures right away for, for that small footprint. It's crazy. Yeah, a lot of textures and just a lot of flexibility in the sound, like the places you can go with it. And it truly is crazy. And I think, let's see. What's the price on that? I think yeah. like $2.99 or something. Okay. Maybe even $1.99. Hold on, let me let me check for sure. Confirm here. Uh craft scent. And this is the 2.0 craft scent. So the mm -hmm. 1.0 craft synth was more DIY-ish. Um, I can't say that I was a fan it, because of the way it looked. Yeah, it looked like a video game. <laughs> yeah, it really I looked like a video game, game of some sort. And and um, I remember people saying, "But it sounds great," but I couldn't get past. I'm like, "Well, I don't, I don't necessarily want that on my desk." Um, because I am about aesthetics too. <laughs> you know, you hate to sound like um, shallow, like, oh, it's all about the looks. Well, you know, you got to be attracted to something first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I don't, I don't see it. Let me try to see if I can find it here. Uh, oh, looks more like 150. Oh, wow. Good price point. 150 what? Dollars? Yeah, $150. Uh, what I'm looking at says shop now from Reverb, Craft Music, Vintage Kings. Wow. Yeah, 149. Everywhere it is, is 149. $149. So, I mean, there's where the keys are. That's the key. This thing sounds so well. And for $150, I mean, you can't exactly expect it to be put together like this thing, metal chassis, and you know what I'm saying? Where it's, uh, this is $599, and it's a powerhouse, and it's a metal chassis, and It'll you you feel like you got something in your hands. Now this is not that. It looks good, but it's definitely you know more plasticky. 
And but the idea is that it's it's one fifty, and you get um you got MIDI in and out, you got sync in and out, uh, line out headphones and USB powered or battery powered. And so it is self powered. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like for one fifty, like yeah, you can't lose for one fifty. I didn't know it was like I didn't know it was that price. Yeah, you you can't you can't lose. This is a winning product right here. So yeah, I definitely um I got like I said I got uh, a review coming up. I actually actually put it in some of my music on on uh, Instagram, but, um without you know announcing like yo that's that <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so probably got more coming up. Yo, what's up, man? We got a what up, squad? What's going on, man? Hey, man. I'll I'm at the pool, you know. I just wanted to drop in, you know, say what up to the squad, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. Ali the architect drop in with shades on and and pool <laughs> <laughs> and he, he lived yeah, his best man. life. <laughs> I'm out there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo, Ali, meet the Daydream Sound TDS. What's going on, bro? TDS. What's going on, brother? Ali the architect. Good to meet. Good to meet you, yo. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um uh Ali, what's catching your eye out there, man, right now? What kind of what kind of stuff is catching your eye? Um that that bird kids raven? I'm looking at that. Uh, that I, am I am I saying the name right? I don't it's know. It's uh bird kids or something like that. You heard of that? Uh uh. Nope. Yeah. What up? Huh. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's Bird Kids Raven. It's a uh, semi-modular. You all right, voice? Yeah, I've been thinking about trading in my uh my SV1 for something like that. It's a little bit smaller than the SV1. Mhm, mhm. Hey, let me pull it up on the screen. Put that. Put that and and it right. sounds real good. Dope. The Man, point I'm at drop. is like. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. It looks pretty dope. Yeah, it does. It's all analog. So you think about trading in your uh your Pittsburgh modular SV1. Right, because like I don't need the, the MIDI module on that. Um I'm just mm -hmm. trying to downsize my modules at this point because like a lot of my modules are really, really big. And that's a 48 HP module. And if I could take it down, that gives me a little bit more, you know, playing room. Nice. Okay. Oh, I'm going to have to check that out, yo. And it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah, it sounds real good. Um, Honestly, lately, man, I've really just been trying to learn the modules that I have. Um. You know, I've been yeah. doing things like new stuff with Pam's new workout. I've been using it as like a, a four rotating clock. So what I'm doing is I'm taking one of the hours out of Pam. Oh, you, you broke up a little bit. You're taking, you using that as a... Uh, makes the rows. Yeah, it rotates through the rows if you trigger the run input and put it on okay. the setting. So I've been I've been using that, running that into Morphogene and getting some real cool stuff, running it into the, into the play input on Morphogene. So then you'll get mm -hmm. a, a times four, and then the next step is times two, and then it'll be like and times 12 or something like that. You get like real cool rhythmic stuff out of it. I, I've been trying stuff like that lately, man. 
Dope, dope, dope. So you, it's it's funny that like what you're talking about doing with that. I'm gonna take this this thing down. So what you're talking about doing is a, um, I guess a similar aesthetic to what I do with my, um, what's it called? This Pittsburgh Time Runner because yeah. I'm trying to get different rhythmic stuff out of it, and it's dope that you could do that with with um, Pamela's new workout though. And yeah. actually, Pamela's new workout is less a time runner too. <laughs> yeah. Another thing That's I've been dope. doing is the the um the frap tools for Lee Street. So I've been running, I'll run an output out mm -hmm. of uh, the the uh, Pam's new workout into the clock divider on for Lee Street, and then get extra uh, you know divisions off of that. So um mm -hmm. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Go go. But yeah, man, I gotta hear some of what you've been doing with that stuff lately. You got we gotta jump on Marco Polo so I can check out, like, so you can show me how it's coming along. Yeah, word. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm just like really just trying to learn these modules that I have, like dig as deep as possible. Like right now, out the gas, you know what I mean? So. While I don't have gas, I'm just trying to not be looking at perfect circuit and all of this other stuff that like I usually scour every single day. You know what I mean? So just keeping myself away from it and then and then just focusing on what I have now because you know I just picked up the two HP Bell and the two HP Pluck. So like those are my latest pickups, but um, I really got those to kind of like replace rings because ring too big for my my so when i'm using rings i'm usually making some plucky sound or some bell type sound you know what i mean so like i figured if i got to i could just take rings out right yeah yeah you know one thing i want to mention while i got you because i'm reading the chat and there's some conversation about mp live uh, uh -huh. versus sort of the track. and so what's cool right now is what we have on this panel right now is we have two MPC users and two <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I know that you use MPC Live with your Eurorack, and uh, what do you use to, to interconnect it? Because MPC Live doesn't have CD on the back of it. What do you use? Are you using a mutant brain or something, or what you using? Maybe yeah, I'm, I'm using the mutant brain, so... Yep, so I'm running out of the MPC. I run it into my mutant brain, and then mutant brain runs it to everything. So uh, I'm I'm using it as four separate cha MIDI channels on the mutant brain, and then everything under that is pretty much triggers and clock dividers. So uh, I'll run like four channels of MIDI triggers. All right, so channel one, two, three, and four are like my MIDI, you know what I mean, channels. Right. Channel mm -hmm. five, six, seven, eight, are uh triggers from midi channel six seven and eight and then nine ten eleven twelve are clocks um clock runs and clock divider you know a division of the clock and then i'm so just running that into pam into er 101 yeah you're using it very much the same way that i'm yep, using it again. You're, you're using it very much the same way that I'm using it with my force. So I got the mutant brain and it's literally set up the same way. Well, I got clock dividers at the bottom. Um, and I think on output eight, 
I have it set up as a restart and start so that I can control my sequencer as well inside the rack. So right. yeah, for anybody out there, especially in chat, if you have an MPC Live and you're thinking, yeah, I should dish the MPC Live for Octatrack, if you're used to and comfortable with the MPC Live, you could totally live with that in your rack if you yep. have something like a mutant brain that you can integrate it with, because that's what Ali does and that's what I do. Uh, yeah, I love it, man. Is, I love it. Yeah, it, I use it too. Mm -hmm. but I use it totally different Word. than like how you guys use it. I sequence two of my uh, modules on my Digitone with it. Okay. Uh, you know, so that's, that module is it just, it's just, yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's the way that a lot of people use uh, are able to integrate their groove box of choice with their Eurorack. So, yeah. you know, well, let me add, well, now, see, that makes me curious now. So, TDS, you're more into 5U modules. Yeah. Uh, uh, they have MIDI to CV. I, I imagine you're using some sort of MIDI to CV conversion. Yeah. On that side, too, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. You just. So. I just, for my, my system is really, really simple. So, it's, it's, I got to make the most out of what I have. But mm -hmm. to get in there, it's straight MIDI to CV, but I can go straight CV if I want to. And I've actually been thinking, like, if I get something that's good enough, mm -hmm. I'll get rid of the MIDI module and just use something that has CV out. But I just don't have anything like that. Yet. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, it's not necessarily that you need to. If no. Any way that, for me, any way that you can integrate, that's the way. Like, I, that's the way I look at it. Like, I have a, a ES3. Uh, over here. So before I had the, the mutant brain, I would use the mm -hmm. ES3 because I would use my MPC-X, uh, Expert Sleeper's ES3. I would use my MPC-X in hybrid mode only, basically, when, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I like the idea of having the software and the MPC-X as a controller and then being able to take a, a ADAT cable out of my audio interface into my Expert Sleeper's ES3, and that's yeah. giving me eight outs of whatever it is, I could throw anything out of that thing into my my uh, Euro rack. So I would right. process audio through my Euro rack and run it back. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So I'm down for any way, whatever it might be, how you can integrate <laughs> the two together. Yeah, man, that that seems yeah. That's the that's the easiest way. Let me ask you guys something. Have you have you guys gone CV to MIDI? So I you're using it. your Euro rack to control. Something like to control, to no, modulate you, anything. I haven't done that, but you can. I yeah, see, I, yeah, yeah. I haven't either. You know, I'm I'm kind of staying out of the box at this point. So, um, I would like to try that though, man. That's a good. Thanks, man. That's yeah. a good idea. Mm -hmm. You're, because at that point, you get a CV voltage that's doing weird stuff to like your MPC or your yeah, synth. right. Yeah, that's dope. That's really dope. Yeah, it's this. But that's see, why. Okay, that's the only I, reason why I'd want to bypass MIDI. Mm -hmm. How would yeah, I do that? Like, okay, how would I get it back? How would how would I get CV back into my MPC since I don't have those uh those CV inputs and or outputs? Oh, well, you would. It's, so it's just like you convert you convert C like you can convert it, it, CV to MIDI or convert MIDI it, to CV, right? Yeah. So, okay, so right. it's the exact opposite of what Mutant Brain is doing, pretty much. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Word. I think you got That's a whole nother world of possibilities at that point. Yeah. yeah, that's a dope thing to do. That's dope. 
PDS, can I ask you a question? Uh, sorry, off topic, but have you used any of the um, the noise engineering, the five U? Oh, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Yeah. The what? The the noise engineering, because you 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 uh, your rack is five U, correct? Yeah. 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 Have you tried any of their new modules? No, new my whole system is uh is all dot com. Oh, okay. so I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't gotten any new modules as yet, and I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> if I if I add something, I'll have to take something away. So I'm trying to stay away from adding. No, anything. no, I get it. I get where you're coming from. Yeah, you there's got so you. many things that are coming out for five U now that I want to try. Yeah, yeah. But I just can't. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they came out so with you, the Manus in five U. I have the Manus rack and it just i love that module so what's it called the what the manis it's spelled m-a-n-i-s all right i'm gonna lift it up yeah yeah no nice thank they you have two, they have two um okay but i'm the manis i think it sounds great yeah man like five u was kind of like we didn't have anything we still don't but now there's like a lot of a lot of manufacturers are doing both now so, yeah, 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 that's that's exactly what uh, noise engineering is doing. Well, what, yeah. what took you to five U versus Eurorack? I didn't know any better at the time. Well, when I the sound of it really the first time I heard um, the oscillators on this on the uh, dot com system, I was like, that's what I want because mm -hmm. I just wanted a good. I really wanted a traditional analog synth, but at that time, nothing was sounding right to me. Okay, makes sense. First time I heard 5U, it just sounded, not 5U in general, but that particular system. I was like, I'm going with that. And I knew that's all I wanted. So yeah, it works. It's just, it's got this kind of weird, aggressive kind of sound to it. But that's, that's pretty dope. much it. That's yeah. And that's probably also why dot-com systems early on were like one of the most popular systems, well, also because the market wasn't saturated the way it is today but at the same time people swore by their their dot-com systems man yeah and yeah i didn't, i thought they were the only manufacturer out there when i bought mine mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and now i'm seeing like core synth club the knobs all types of people now so yeah but even though there's just there's not that many like you guys get everything yeah yeah you're all right yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah why <laughs> that, that's the gift and the curse though yeah i guess yeah yeah, because what happens is I'm sitting here with a full case, and then I got my live case that I cannibalized my bigger case for. And then when I looked at stuff that I had sitting around, I'm like, oh, well, now I got the full, both of them are just full. And then there's stuff that's always coming out, and I'm curious about, like, mm, that would, that's interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm always moving it around. It's like, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's all Legos, you know? Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> So yeah, yeah. But you know what? Hey, TDS. The way what I dig about your system, and this is just from what I know about your system. It could be totally off base, but from what I know about your system, you're using a five U and using any variation of classic samplers, mm -hmm. it just kind of feels like that's right. I don't know yeah. why. It just feels yeah. right. That combination of five U and classic samplers. I think that's fresh. I think that's really fresh. Yeah, the, the, the quarter inch, like I never have a problem. I never have to like, you know, the cables always kind of just add up. Yeah. Because with MPC, mm -hmm. you, can, you can go, it spits out voltage high enough. Not the MPC, sorry, the SP. The SP, okay. The voltage that it kicks out of the back, the metronome, 
can clock um, the uh, the dot com system. It's it's high enough. It's up to five volts, so you can do things without having to really downsize and all that. So they do work well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's dope. Yeah. Dope. That's dope. Okay. Well, yo. Uh, let's see. What else we got? I, I think we may have run through all the topics. Oh, one other thing. I don't. This is more like on the business news of music tech. Have you all heard that Atom Audio is now owned by Novation? Yes. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, what y'all think about that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's interesting. Most. I think it's interesting. Uh, I think there's sometimes. I think. Most people that may be gearheads maybe don't care about who owns what. Uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing. It's just it's interesting because I don't view those two in the same place in the same way. <laughs> those two companies, you know what I mean? Like, I honestly, I hold Adam in a very, like, higher than average sort of standard um, yeah. because they really make some of the best monitors on the market, like, bar none. Um but at the same time, they're starting to make like they made their uh, T7D series or whatever it is, their V series to compete with KRK. And that said to me that they were kind of going for uh, starting to reach for a little bit of a different market. Because um, I got to admit, my KRK monitors that I have feel more like DJ club speakers <laughs> than they do precision listening, mixing sort of monitors. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's um, what I use mine for. Just yeah, right. That's kind of that. Thing, that you know, this, I have them behind me. I, yeah, just mm-hmm. that's exactly what I use the KRKs for. Yeah, yeah, and even they have uh, what is it RCA on the back, which mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> right? But so Adam <laughs> came out with something that was still very Adam, but had a a better bass response in them, and I felt like they were targeting. Uh, you know, that market that the KRKs tend to dominate, right? And so it's interesting to see with them doing that within the last year and now being bought by Novation, it's probably going to be some interesting things to happen from that. Yeah. I found it weird. I, well, when I saw it, what I thought was, it took me back to when, because um, Adam won that award for the A7Xs that they made. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those were like, renowned speakers and from the moment that happened looking back at it now they got to now match that type of sales that they were making mm-hmm. they haven't had anything like that before yeah so if i'm a if i'm a renowned speaker company there's no more major studios being built so mm-hmm. what do you make who are you selling these speakers to yeah yeah that's right the market that changes the things. largest market is the is the home studio user that's buying small speakers Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But how are you going to compete with KRK? How are you going to compete with all these people that are already there? So you partner up with somebody, and the interesting thing is they're all owned by Focusrite. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. So I'm thinking like everyone, everyone's getting smaller, and they're teaming up to kind of deal with this industry because if I really want to, I don't need any speakers. I just need a pair of Beats and an iPad. Yeah, this is That's true. <laughs> So now, that, now they have to compete with that sort of thing to make them figure out how to make themselves appealing and accessible. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, that that makes total sense, yo. That's exactly right. That makes total sense. And when you think about it, focus right, novation, 
they have a hold on that market in that way. Their foot is firmly placed in that market. Not yeah. like they're the only ones, but their foot is firm in that market. The the bedroom producer, beat maker sort of market. Um, right. You know what I mean? Semi-pro pro, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's actually pretty dope. That makes that makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. And even if you look at Novation 2, Launchpad, Launchpad Control, mm -hmm. like they're kind of up in that and imagine that now you're, you'll be able to kind of you got this product line that spans across now you got you know focus right interfaces and whatever controllers and sense and stuff that are coming from novation and now you got good set of monitors that you can right. kind of get into that mix too yeah it's a real dope thing it is man it's, it's like kind of what behringer has done with um with clark and who else do they have under their banner? Yo, they got a lot of folks yeah. under their banner. Yeah. I mean, stuff that you wouldn't even think about, like who is it, Mode Machines? They, they hired the dude from Mode Machines and he's a more obscure company, but at the same time, he's one of those companies that people have loved that have bought like niche sort of things from, like the Sig mm -hmm. uh, synth he made and uh, certain pedals and stuff he was making. He was making Wasp pedals and Juno filter pedals before people started doing it in Eurorack, and now he's with Behringer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I got to commend Behringer for that stuff. And uh, to tell you the truth, I don't really care about the ruckus that everybody's keeping up. This man is trying to put dope sense into our hands for reasonable mm -hmm. price. Mm -hmm. I'm yeah. with that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so yo, um, I don't know if let, let's uh go around one last time. We're gonna wrap up and and end up the show. We'll be back in two weeks. Inky, sorry we've been gone for so long. I appreciate you for being such a loyal listener and follower. Uh, you rock time ten thousand. Uh, so we'll be back in two weeks. And so yo, let's go around. Anybody got anything they want to say in closing? Yes, about you. Oh, um, yeah. I just have um, what do I got going on? If anyone's into vintage samplers, I'm here on YouTube at thedaydreamsound.com. What else? Um, mm. There are a line of online men. Yeah, pause right there. And this yeah. is what I wanted to ask you about. You are sort of like the vintage sampler source of information on YouTube. Oh man, thank I you. I need to ask. Uh -huh. What do you think about the SP twenty four hundred? I like it. Yeah. I like, yeah. Okay. I like it a lot. Yeah. No. There is a difference between the two from the demos I've heard. You can clearly hear a difference. Mm -hmm. But I don't think it matters one bit. But, right. So yeah. it still it still has something special about it that's coming to market in today where that he's obviously filling a void. Yeah, like I wouldn't buy an SP twelve hundred now. Yeah. <laughs> I barely wanted to buy it when I bought mine. And like, to, to, to see that now, it's like, after this comes out, there shouldn't be any complaints. You know, yeah. like this is, this is the last piece of the puzzle that's been filled and I, I can't see any problem with it. Yeah, dope, dope. I'm glad to hear you say that, man. Cause, but then I haven't heard any, I haven't heard much blowback about the thing in the first place. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, it seems like everybody's excited for it, 
Uh, my thing is, I was actually going to pre-order it, but my thing is, I want to see more of how the sequence will work before I drop that down. I don't know, you know, I just want to see a little more of it. Uh, yeah. Even though, knowing that guy, I feel like he's really going to pull it off in a, in a really dope way. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I don't, I, I, I think it's a dope thing myself. Yeah, man. I don't, yeah. I don't see any, like, yeah, if there's any, there were, I heard initial complaints, but it was just about, oh, it'll never be an SP. Well, if you can't get an SP, like mm -hmm. if you find an SP and you're willing to pay for it, those are two different stories. You know, finding one is a problem now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The price is just, it's too much. Yeah, and it's to too me, much. the SP isn't that, it's not worth the price. No. That's good right now. You know what I mean? So if you're Come getting on, think about it. SPs going for thirty five hundred. Yeah, they're like forty five hundred dollars yeah. now. So if you want to find that and you've got forty five hundred dollars to drop down on it, but I don't feel like that's gonna be most people because think about how people complained when like Mode One came out. What? Right? Like you know, nobody when you start getting to certain price points, people automatically shut the TV off. Right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, bro. Like, and it's got yeah, all those it's, it's limitations that people are ready for. Right. You could just buy right. four yeah. different new sequences and run them all together at this point now. Yeah. <laughs> and here's the other thing that I think people got to realize, and I'll use this example. I bought uh, ASR 10 a few years back for $150. And I think it was $150. It wasn't more than 200, but I'm pretty certain it was $150. And there's a funny story that goes with that that I'll tell later about how I went to the Hollywood Hills and and uh, dude was all high in his parents' garage with a bunch of studio gear and his broke ass ASR 10. And so I bought it for like $150. I knew what was wrong with it, and I knew that I could fix the, the sliders on it for $20 from this company I could get parts from, and I fixed it. And then two months later, I bought the SCSI thing to go in it, and I added that in, and I used it for about a year, barely used it because I was like, I just didn't want to go through the trouble of loading up the floppy and all of this kind of stuff. But I used it and explored it and stuff. A year later, I sold it for, I think it was $1,100. So there's an idea that gives you an idea of what this market is like nowadays. Um, that person bought that thing for eleven hundred dollars and complained to me for two weeks about how it wouldn't start up. It wouldn't turn on. And you know what the problem is? It's a vintage machine that you got to put the damn floppy in and, and so that it can boot up with the OS. He wasn't used to that because he's you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Like when you think about these vintage machines and the things, it's a whole different process and yeah. mentality that you have to go through to use those joints. And most people ain't down for that work. Right. So, right. So um, um, I think if you're going to buy SP1200 for $4,500, you are a very specific niche of a niche of a niche type of dude. Uh, but that's $3,500, $4,500. Now you got something that's new, that's more modern, that has a more modern workflow, that's $1,000. Yeah. So I, it, it, that should shut that whole conversation down. And if you complain about what it is and what it ain't, then you can just go save up your $4,500 and see if you can find one of them older joints. Yeah, right. 
know? So, yeah. Interesting, man. I'm glad to get a chance to talk to you about that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm sorry. I interrupted you as you were rounding up. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's just there's just that. Yeah, that, the channel. And there's also a line of uh, manuals that I'm doing now for vintage instruments. So people who do want to get them, uh, the information is just few and far between on how to get these things up and running and really what to expect. You know, that, yeah. like you said, that's the biggest thing. Like, it's easy to get hyped up about something that's that old. And when you get it, it's like a slap in the face because <laughs> it's a different world, you know? So that reality is better than, than you know, getting your, getting your hopes subverted. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's dope, man. I like that. Um, that reminds me of, um, there's, there's another guy, my mind is drawing a blank. He does really dope manuals for mm -hmm. some instruments too, alternative manuals. Yeah. And it really is helpful to the community. I commend you for that, yo. That's a really Thank dope you. thing. Really, really dope. Um, when you get those done, let me know, man. I'll, I'll make sure to do a story or post on when you get each one of them done on a B-Boy Tech Report. Nice, nice. Appreciate it. Uh, cool. So, uh, Travarsi, what you got going on uh, as we close out the show? Uh, let's see. I'm Well, I'm flying to New York um, on the 7th, but for 808, uh, I'm doing a workshop and a live performance in Brooklyn. So that should nice. be with modular and just kind of talking about live setups and just the nuances of choosing, you know, the right, what gear works for you and, and incorporating modular with hardware. So it should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Dope, dope. Yeah. Okay, well, cool. Like I said, it's always good to have you on the show. I'm glad uh, we had this this dope mix of folks on here. Uh, Ken must have scurried off to the one-year-old's birthday party. So mm. uh, you all know where to find Ken. And uh, Ali, you got anything you want to say in closing? You know why you kind of laugh at us from the pool? <laughs> Yo, um, August 3rd, um, I'm going to be doing a live performance at, for the modular meetup at uh, Chuck Levin's. Um, if you're in the Maryland, D.C., Virginia area, go ahead and, uh, you know, come out, support us, check us out, have some fun. It's, it's for, uh, you know, beginners to advanced. Um, there'll be some other performers there. Um, we'll just be having a good time. You know what I mean? Dope. And, um, yeah, I hope to be, uh, I think after that, the next thing I'm doing is probably KnobCon. You, you coming out to KnobCon? You know. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yep. We'll be there. Yeah. All right, cool. Cool. Yep. So, word. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for coming through. This is uh, episode 48 um and uh we'll see you in a couple weeks and uh, until next time peace peace, peace. thanks